0: What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? First game officially in the books. Will and Madman out of office today. Will up in Seattle area. Uh, Brother just had a bachelor party, hence the mustache going on right here. My main man, Madman, joining us as always out in Albania for a wedding. So he had to watch the UCLA game at 4 in the morning, his time Albania. I had to leave the Gorge, which is a concert venue to go drive about fifty minutes to the only place with service just to watch our Bruins. If we're not committed to following UCLA football, I want to know who is because me, we take our time and we make sure we're watching our Bruins no matter how inconvenient it can be. Jamal, talk to me, man. How are we feeling? How's Albania treating you? And what are we thinking after uh, game number one?
1: Well, Thriller, always, always so great to see you. I know you and I had you know some some important life events here, both uh, you know weddings of near and dear ones. Uh, You obviously in in the Pacific Northwest, me a little bit further than the Pacific Northwest, uh, the the mania in Albania, as we're calling it out here. And, uh, but uh, being out here to watch this team, you know, Thriller, I'm reminded of the famous scene in Jerry Maguire when Bob Sugar is talking to one of the players that he's trying to recruit away from Tom Cruise. And he says, I do it all for you, you know, in terms of trying to show his commitment. That's how I feel a thriller you and I are for UCLA football we are the Bob sugars of UCLA football uh for for our viewers our loyal listeners and our fans and so really excited to get into it with with you brother it's so much to unpack here I, I think so there's much. sort of the good the bad and the ugly uh the good of course with the victory but uh lots to to unfold beyond that
0: lots to talk about and we're going to dive all into it, Bruin fans. But we got to start with the most hot topic, the hot-button topic among UCLA football. Ethan Garbers was named QB1. And, you know, before the Coastal game, after what I saw in spring, and granted we weren't able to see what was going on in fall, I thought it was a reasonable, you know, pick. Because Coastal was coming back, bringing a lot of experience back. You know, Grayson McCall, Sam Pinckney, they had their weapons out there. They were ready to go. So I thought, you know what? Freshman might be too big of a situation for Dante for his first career start. I don't mind going to the veteran had played in some big games and Madman. I mean, the start of the game, we talk about seven plays, 78 yard drive leads to a 21 yard touchdown to Carson Ryan. We're rolling at that point. We get the stop on the other end. We're bringing them back down the field. This one's a 12 play, 72 yard drive. So clearly moving the football at will. And then you could just see everything unravel with that interception that was targeted for Cam Brown in the middle of the end zone. Interception in the end zone, and you could just see the confidence kind of fall off there for our guy, Ethan Garbers. And it was a tough situation to watch because, man, if we score that touchdown there, I think 14-0, it could be a whole different alternative, you know, with what we were thinking about Garbers, how we're speaking about it today it really came down to a lot of decisions and some decisions you know i think we're chip kelly defenders what were what was your opinion when the second half comes around and we're going to get to our guy dante in a second because he deserves all the love and praise that is out there for him but what was your your like your opinion on what chip's decision was with the starting quarterback battle and bringing garber's back out there in the second half not for one but two drives after what dante had done yeah, well, you know, and I think this is sort of where the
1: conversation has to begin. You you broke it down so well. I know you were leaning Garber's right at the end of fall ball. I was leaning a little bit more and, and you know, so, but we both acknowledged it was going to be such a close race and, you know, you couldn't really go wrong either way. But if you recall, Will, I think it unfolded as we expected in a sense, because what did we take away from the fall was that Garber's has a greater understanding of the playbook in a scripted environment Garber's was producing better results the moment fall ball spring ball went into unscripted scenarios where improvisation needed to take over where you were off schedule whether you, where you were off script dante sort of you know excelled beyond garber's and really sort of stood out and that's kind of how the game unfolded will because when you look at that first drive in three quarters, let's call it, you know, for first practically two drives, Chip was able to script exactly the way he wanted to go. You know, you usually are able to script the first 12 to 20 plays. They were able to get Carson Steele going, able to get Carson Ryan going. They were able to control both the run and the pass really well balanced. The moment Garbers then threw that interception, the game became off schedule because what happened there was, especially with that second drive, UCLA used up so much clock to then come up empty. And now with this new rule where the clock continues to run even after a first down, it shortens the game. And so in a lot of ways, that interception was the best case scenario for Coastal Carolina because not only did UCLA chew up a lot of clock and shorten the game, they came away with no points. So immediately it put Coastal back in a position of advantage To really capitalize moving forward, you could sense their sort of momentum shifted. They started moving the ball. It created more pressure situations. And then Garber started pressing and then came up empty on those two drives. Moore was spectacular at the end of the first half. I think, Will, Chip should have stayed with Moore going into the second half, but I think it was out of complete respect for garbers and everything that he had done i think he wanted to give him kind of one final one or two final opportunities to say listen i'm not going to overreact off of just two drives because remember at the end of the at the end of the day ucl only had the ball four times in the first half and chip even alluded to that in the in the first half so the sample size still wasn't as great at the end of the first half because he garbers was only out there for three drives and two of the drives he moved the ball So I think Chip was kind of thinking about it more tactically in that regard. Very fortunate, Will, that Coastal came up empty early in that second half because if they were able to put together 10 points early in that second half and UCLA is coming from a deficit position, we could be having a whole other conversation here about the outcome of that game. So I think Chip dodged a bullet by going with Garbers,
0: but then ultimately Moore was able to save the game. No, and it got close. I mean, that first drive, Of the second half, nine plays, 75 yards, where Pinckney made that ridiculous catch over John Humphrey in the end zone. So it's 14 to 13. He trots Garbers out. And I think as a fan base, we're collectively going, what in the world is happening? Garbers oversales it against the receiver, interception on the other side of the field, was moving the football. You know, it was a four play, 39 yard drive at that point. But a large portion of that was the late hit penalty where Garbers beat Sturdivant over the middle. So it was just a chaotic bunch and i think when they brought him out again after the interception when it led to a three play punt i was just like we've got to figure this out and i i understand being loyal but when the game is hanging that much in the yeah. balance i mean we're up 14 to 13 at this point coastal missed a 55 yard field goal attempt that would have given them the lead in that situation it was so clear and evident that you had to go back to dante on that and let's start talking about the kid this is qb1 moving forward you know the play that stood out to me. I think we all want to talk about what he did immediately when he came back in for Garbers, the one play, 62 yard bomb to Sturdivant. But the play for me was this, I think it was like his roll second out. pass attempt, to roll out, out yeah. to the right side, 39 yards, to Sturdivant, one foot inbounds, out of, play, out of bounds. I'm telling you the second I saw that I go, it's over. Like Ethan is no longer within, you know, range for the starting quarterback and we've got our guy moving forward. So, I thought Garbers was potentially the best option for this team moving forward, but I want to say this. I was open to whoever was the best quarterback for UCLA. That's all I want for the Bruins. And I didn't know if we were going to get lightning in a bottle where Moore is not only the best quarterback for this year's team and developing for the future. A lot of times it doesn't work to kind of put that in perspective. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. We tried to combine our two timelines. It did not work. You know, we had the young guys, and we wanted to play with veterans that are championship-ready now, where these guys are learning the game. didn't work. Dante Moore is clearly the best of both of those worlds. And it's a a beautiful sight as UCLA fans, knowing we're going to have this guy out there for three years. 62-yard touchdown pass after those two drives that Garbers led in the second half to J. Michael Sturdivant, who, wow. I mean, we saw this in spring ball all throughout. Just an amazing player. But, dude, give me the synopsis on Dante Moore for what this kid did Came into spring camp at 17 years old and delivered UCLA their win when their backs were against the wall, up 14 to 13 early in the second half.
1: Well, I mean, at that point, and you said it, look, I mean, UCLA dodged a bullet with, as I mentioned, with Coastal not scoring on both of those drives. They got the first touchdown, they missed the kick on the second one, and it it sort of left things open in that in that situation coming back in 14 07 left in the game clearly lost momentum since the, the early goings of the first quarter only up 14 13 and the first play I mean that ball was such a dime to to start I mean the ball was only in the air maybe nine yards I mean it was on a rope and it just <laughs> falls right into into start you know just right in his hands Defender falls down because I think the defender was stunned how the ball got there so quickly. Sturdivant was able to to walk into the end zone. It, there was a sense of relief, a sense of euphoria that that unleashed with the Rose Bowl crowd, and you just knew that UCLA had enough cushion to move forward there. But will just in that moment, you know, you're you're such a heavy favorite. There's there's thoughts of potentially an upset at that point. There's so much shakiness going on. Even the run game, Will, had its moments, but it wasn't a dominant run game. It wasn't a classic Chip Kelly run game, 237 yards per game, a la last year type of performance. So yards were just scratchy to come by. For him to just stand back, be able to make that throw, it just speaks volumes. And you said it, Will, from the age of 17 coming in from January 5th, moving in, The present is the future. Dante's peak is Dante's inferno is Dante's now. I mean, this is now Dante Moore's team. I think the the quarterback controversy should be put to rest. If Colin Schley wants to come and hand out some Gatorade to, to Dante Moore over the course of different drives to make sure that he's hydrated, I think he's got a great role on the team. Other than that, I think this quarterback conversation needs to be over. And moving forward, I think Bruin fans should be very excited about Dante Moore now in this quintet, in this six tuplet almost of quarterbacks in this conference, in in what's going to be, I mean, a bonanza
0: year in the Pac-12. Bonanza. I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks around the conference yesterday. Caleb Williams, five touchdowns. Penix Jr., Shadur Sanders. I mean, Shadur coming. Sanders there, will all He's the Colorado doubters Dante man. have arrived. You know, yeah. we knew
1: about the other names. We knew about Caleb and Bo and Penix Jr. and Rising. Obviously, Utah, what they did without Rising, Impressive. without TV. and up. now you bring in Shador with Dante. Oh my goodness! It's it's a tragedy that this conference is coming to a close because this is this could very well be the best conference in America this year.
0: They're at the peak of their powers and they're folding with everyone splitting in different ways. It just it's sad how it ended. You know, I'm excited for the Big Ten but you could also show some sadness to way the pac 12 folded as somebody from the West coast. So Dante, just a special, special talent, man, three of four on that first drive, 53 yards at touchdown. And even the play where it was a dump off pass to steal, he did something yeah. so brilliant where yeah. he manipulated the defense with his eyes yeah. moving forward and then dumped it to him in the last, just to have that sense of awareness and your first, you know, taste of college football. That just shows you the special talent and the promise that Dante Moore can bring. It was the
1: eyes. It was the eyes, Will, and it was the hips. That's what is, I mean, he's taking advanced placement courses in eighth grade in terms of what he was doing. He was able to step up in the pocket with his hips when he felt the backside pressure, and then he leveled up his hips to make it look like he was going to either run in either direction to the left or to the right or throw it up the middle and then manipulated his eyes because he knew the check down was there peripherally and drop the ball in such a way where Steele's angle was already too much for the defender to overcome and all Steele had to do was run straight line to the corner pylon for the touchdown that was just so spectacular and that was advanced placement quarterbacking by Dante Moore
0: even on that play it was beautiful to watch man and it was something so evident just in his first inaugural start and we mentioned UCLA badly needs to get some points going. This is first two drives of the second half. Interception by Garbers, punt. We get the ball back after the missed field goal. One play, sixty-two yards to Sturdivant. Just after that, I mean, you could just feel the weight lift off of UCLA's fans' shoulders. We got the momentum back a little bit, and you know, we talked about Dante. We talked about Garbers. We got to talk about Jay Mike, man. We we've said. Through spring practice, this is the best UCLA receiver we've probably had in about 30 years. And boy, did he live up to the hype, Madman. This guy actually saved the game for us on that big-time play. Five catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown. And I've always said this, like he may not get that volume of catches like a Kyle Phillips did or a Bobo did. But the yardage is going to be there because he is so damn explosive. The thirty-nine yard catch over the like you know on the sideline, so the, over... the two that the two plays that
1: we mentioned. I mean, the sixty-two yard touchdown and then the rollout that we're talking about. That was one hundred and one yards. That was one hundred and one of the one thirty-six was just those two catches. I mean, and it it changed the whole complexion of the game. His size, his speed, and just his ability to get open is is nothing short of spectacular. He absolutely, in the words of Shaquille O'Neal. Barbecue chickened the whole UCLA secondary all spring and all fall. So I'm so happy that there's someone on another uniform that's now incurring this rat. He is absolutely and unquestionably wide receiver number one and the weapon that this UCLA team needs moving forward as this running game finds itself, as this offensive line finds itself. And you know what that home run ability did also, Will? is it actually opened up and reinvigorated the pass rush because that play enabled Coastal Carolina to play one-dimensional football in the fourth quarter. And then that's when you saw Latu unleash. And that's when you saw the Murphy Twins really accelerate and really sort of collapse the pocket for Grayson McCall because no longer could they just rely on both the run as well as the short passing game. They were in one-dimensional situations. And that front four... Uh, with this pass rush, has really shown to be the anchor
0: of this defense moving forward yet again. And I've said, you know, I went out on a a big statement for myself, saying that this defensive line had a chance to be one of the best in the history of UCLA football. And man, did they deliver. There were some undisciplined plays at times, you know, the five offsides penalties. I'm not going to, you know, throw that under the rug. Those were big issues that need to be fixed. Come these bigger games, because like we said, those are not going to fly in games against Utah, Oregon state, USC. You need to be disciplined enough to not make mental mistakes out there. And it really felt like them just kind of figuring themselves out as the game went along. So I was, you know, very impressed as it continued to go forward, but man, Liatu Latu, we talked about this on the Over Under podcast, man. He won 15 sacks this year, and he got three of them last night. Three of them last night, officially, you know, credited to him, and he is credited with the forced fumble that Carl Jones yes. actually scooped up for. Yep. Liatu Latu, like UCLA fans, I just want you to appreciate these guys do not grow on trees. This is not going to be somebody we're going to have in this locker room. Forever, like just enjoy having a Liatu Latu on the football field, because, boy, he is a difference maker. And as somebody that loves to watch pass rushers and their techniques, he is outstanding. You mentioned the Murphy Twins. You mentioned Jay Toya. But talk about the leader, man. Liatu Latu, this is what I was kind of saying with the over under is like, yeah, he came back, you know, last year after missing two straight years of football and dominated. What do you think he's going to do with a full offseason in preparation of help? Will, you know, what what he has done in this first game,
1: especially in that fourth quarter, where, you know, 80% of his damage happened in that fourth quarter of this game. And what I love, you know, this particular year, Will, is last year he was kind of getting to the outside a, a lot. And, you know, he was kind of coming around the edge and, and really sort of utilizing that blindside play. Here, I saw some variation where not only is he going outside, but he's popping it back in. He's, he's bringing some counters to his pass rush, and it's really making him very unpredictable. And I think one thing that he's done an excellent job of in the offseason is studying the cadence counts of each of these teams. And I think a lot of the offsides penalties earlier in this game were really functions of aggressiveness, of that front four being a little bit too aggressive, and they got to sort of tone that down in terms of discipline but Latu really understanding cadence of the snap count of Coastal Carolina as the game went on became very evident because the moment the snap went to Grayson McCall, it felt like in a split second, Latu was a w- one and a half steps away from McCall, ready to unleash some power on him. And so Latu is the linchpin by way this entire defense goes well. And I think that between Latu and Sturdivant, and Dante Moore. These are kind of the three big home run hitters on this team that can change the complexion of the game in any one play. And that brings you some margin for error moving forward. And I think what he's been able to do now, both in terms of leadership in the locker room, leading by example and practice, but then also his presence, enabling things to open up for the Murphy Twins and Carl Jones and the interior linemen, I think is really special. Because I think, truth be told, well, outside of the front four, if you go back seven, if you take the linebackers and the secondary, maybe a little bit underwhelming from what we were expecting, particularly kind of with the linebacker group. The the secondary obviously had their moments with the interceptions, but also struggled at times with the veteran sunbelt duo of of Pinckney and Brown uh, over the course of this game.
0: Yeah, and I think – You know, it wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect, if we're being honest. But I think when you hold a quarterback of that caliber and Grayson McCall to 13 points, and the Chanticleers with 13 points as a team, very, very successful. And, yes, they got burned on a couple drives there. Secondary's got some work to do. But I think one of the bigger plays of the game was when the interception for John Humphreys came back. Humphrey. Humphrey that one drive when Sam Pinkney, it seemed like he just had his number it was like three straight plays it takes mental toughness to go back out there and then force a turnover and I just want to tip my cap to John Humphrey a lot of people you know would have been canceled out of that would have not been let back in the game Humphrey making a big play Jalen Davies making a big interception there secondary looked good enough to force those turnovers and maybe one of those USC situations mad man where it's like the secondary may not be perfect, but if they can win the turnover battle, maybe get that one or two turnovers, that would exactly. be a victory in itself, knowing what the secondary has been. So it was a very Bill Belichickian type of defensive game and kind
1: of the latter part of the Patriots dynasty will where there were some holes, you know, in the back seven. Some yards were given up in between the 20s, in between the 25s. But when it came down to key third down situations or key moments inside the red zone where those yards were going to translate into some points or potentially into touchdowns. The secondary came up really big and, and made the plays that they needed to, whether it was pass defense, whether it was the Humphreys interception, whether it was the Davies interception and really came through when it mattered most. And that's really all you can ask for over the course of Pac-12 football this year, uh, because it's going to be the, those timely inter- interceptions
0: and turnovers is going to be the difference in a lot of these games, given the firepower. Yeah, and just to kind of comment on a couple more of the defensive players, Murphy Twins, as you mentioned earlier, I thought were outstanding. Uh, sack combined for three tackles for a loss. I think these guys are legitimate NFL players when all is I said and done too. at UCLA. They've really revamped their bodies. They look more explosive this year. We're just disrupting plays, even when it doesn't show. Particularly in the stat sheet, the pressures are going to be coming out by PFF at some point. You know, in the next day or two, when they were able to study the film, I would argue they probably had seven or eight pressures between the two of them. Which was just an insane amount for to get into the face of Grayson McCall and make like life difficult. Four sacks, 10 tackles for a loss for the defense. Some other guys that impressed Madman. Uh Kamari Ramsey looked really good. You know, this was the guy we were kind of waiting upon. He was our highest rated recruit in the 2022 class. Made a nice tackle for a loss on the first play was swarming. Talk to me what you saw about Ramsey because I saw little snippets of it in spring and just to kind of see it out on the football field, knowing this guy could be a stud for us. It's a big, big win for UCLA. Absolutely.
1: Well, you know, what I really appreciated about Kamari Ramsey is where he positioned himself on the field and his productivity over the course of that game was a function of his preparation and being always in the right place at the right moment, given the situation. And that to me shows a tremendous sign of preparation, of kind of discipline and executing the game plan. And I think if Ramsey continues, it's only one game, but I, I see a world here, Will, in the next couple of weeks where Ramsey potentially takes that torch from Stefan Blaylock, who's now no longer with us, as kind of that captain and that play caller out of the secondary and sort of directing traffic and being able to kind of read the eyes of the quarterback and not just making a play for himself, making sure his teammates on the back end are in the right situation. I saw a lot in from a mental standpoint from Kamari Ramsey. And then I saw a guy who was really a very short tackler and very, very physical at the point of attack.
0: Yeah. Kamari Ramsey was outstanding. We got to give flowers where it's needed. I want to talk about the kicking unit, man. I think that's what I was really impressed with punter, new punter, new kicker with RJ Lopez and will powers. Thought they did a sensational job. RJ Lopez hit two huge field goals including that 47 yarder to kind of ice the wind for UCLA will powers, man. Like when those offensive stretches were going rough, he may have been the best offensive player. We had a 57 yard punt and a 40 yard punt. It's really nice just to have those guys doing their job and doing it at a high level. When it comes to the total special teams, I was a little confused why Yankoff was the kickoff return, man. I gotta be honest. He fumbled the initial kickoff, I think Logan Loya is right there kind of just waiting for his turn. You know, he's an excellent punt returner. It didn't make much sense to me why Yankov was out there, but talk to me what you thought about the units, because I think kicking, it's like an A-plus score. But, boy, it let a lot to be desired when it came to the return game.
1: Yeah, no, Will, I think you said it best. Obviously, the kicking game was huge, particularly in the fourth quarter with those two field goal opportunities. To stretch that, the first kick obviously enabled it to go to a two full two-possession game outside of just being up eight and then that second kick made it a full 14. I thought the punting game was sensational, the 57 yards, the 40 yards. It really flipped the field will in critical moments because if you really look at those resulting drives and where those resulting drives kind of ended after some significant movement. If that those punts instead of 57 and 40 are 45 and 30, you're, you could be having a completely different conversation about Coastal Carolina having six more points on the board, 10 more points on the board, or 14 more points on the board. So there was a lot of hidden points that were taken away courtesy of the kicking game. And I completely agree with you, Will, in the return game. This is now two season openers in a row. Remember when Jake Bobo was out oh, there the season opener last yeah. year and got blasted on the first kick? Similar vibe, similar situation. I think it was a function of Chip trying to just find a spot for Yankoff on the field to, to see just get him involved. But to me, Will, why Jaden Marshall isn't your obvious kind of returner both on the punt side as well as on the kickoff side? To me, that's a foregone conclusion. If it's not Jaden Marshall, then you got to think about a Cam Brown potentially and then a Lawyer. But that's got to be sort of your, your pecking order. I mean, the mere fact that you're even contemplating outside of those top three guys is very, very puzzling. And I think something that needs to be corrected immediately. But James Marshall, to me, feels like the guy that you want to get some touches with that breakaway speed.
0: Yeah, Jaden Marshall looks like he would be the guy. He may still be in the doghouse after he fumbled the punt in the pit uh, bowl game last yeah. year. But yeah. Between Loya and Marshall, I just think those are such higher upgrades than the likes of what Yankoff can bring to a return yes. game. I think Yankoff has a space as a running back on the field, but return game, I just don't see it. No. Chip, as much as we believe in Chip, I think this was a game that left us, you know, scratching our heads, yeah. you know, a little bit with some of the decision making he had. Madman uh, before we move on, I want to get three game balls that you choose for players, uh, from this week's affair, three guys that stood out to you. We've probably named them all already, but I want to see if you had to give out three game balls, who would they be to and why? So, will you know, <laughs>
1: it's hard to do this. will, without having a game ball for Dante Moore, uh, you know, I mean, first career start, I know I've, you know, not to channel my inherent captain, obvious. But uh, you know, sometimes you know the the obvious answer is the correct one. So yeah, be you know, Dante. to me, Dante Moore uh, obviously gets one game ball. I think the second game ball to me will is you know obviously you could go Sturdivant, you can go lot to, You know, eat, both of those guys are the stars. I'm gonna kind of split the game ball between the two of them there, just because we expected this, and and you know the the, the fact that they performed is so significant. But you and I both expected massive performances from these two guys, not just in the season opener, but over the course of the season. So to see that validation, I think for those players is really rewarding, but we expected it. I got to go back to a player you mentioned earlier, Will, as my third game ball, and that's Humphreys. Because I think he competed his tail off and to show the resilience after the mistake, come back and make uh you know another terrific play and i just think those battles that he had with Sturdevant over the course of camp i think has gotten him so ready uh to play such meaningful ball we've talked about his his burst we've talked about his deceptive speed he's got very soft hands and he he's just got a knack for the ball and i really thought his play really you know sort of summarized
0: the resilience and the grit that this team needed to get over the hump Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see what we bring to the table against San Diego State. We'll have a game preview for that at some point this week. Coming with myself, the Madman. Hopefully we can get some SDSU beat writers, reporters, whatever it may be. So stay tuned for that. But any parting thoughts on game number one before we wrap up the first of our season three? We're on season three of covering UCLA, man. It doesn't feel like it's real, does it? it does it doesn't
1: feel like it's real will it's 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 an honor to be here with you in season 3 I, I you know obviously there there's a lot left to be desired you you phrased that really well at the beginning will but a win is a win and i think at the end of the day to be able to hold the the, the real positives that i think we take away is held the three time reigning sunbelt conference player of the year to 13 points the star of the defense picked up right where he left off from last year to this year with three sacks. You have your quarterback of the future. You have your star wide receiver of the present. And you're going to have a compelling running back battle moving forward. We haven't even talked about Harden and Steele, and I think we'll save that for for our next episode. But I think there's a lot of nuance in how they played and some growth moving forward. And then you've got a linebacking crew and particularly a, a secondary that although the secondary hasn't mastered the playbook, You've got guys that have dogs in them, they're tenacious, they're gonna make plays. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty work of art, but they have all of the ingredients where if they're growing in the right direction, this team is really gonna put a jolt into this conference and be very much in the thick of the conference title race. So mission accomplished long way to go overall I give it about a B uh, you know overall in terms of performance they didn't quite cover. But I think moving forward, all the building blocks are there to really make a beautiful house.
0: Yeah, and it felt a lot like South Alabama last year. Just like a game where it didn't feel great, but you got the W. And, you know, after the South Alabama game, that's when we beat Washington. So keep the faith, folks. We've got a clear-cut plan at quarterback now, which I think makes everybody's job easier on the offense. So it's going to be a lot more fun to watch. Mad Mad, great to see you as always, man. Love covering the Bruins with you. Brewing Bible, we are officially out. Brewing Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work, getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout. Before I play pickleball with my friends, just it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know, you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG one in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible. It's www.drinkag1.com slash Bible to get the special deal that we provide Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible.